five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, renal dietitians Angeline and Laura return for the second in a two-part series about plant-based diets and chronic kidney disease. Today in part two, Laura and Angeline share about plant-based diets for dialysis patients. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Angeline and Laura? Oh, really well, thank you, Dee. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, and, nice to see you, Dee. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Angeline and Laura, everyone knows they are friends of the podcast, and this will be our fourth interview together. The first one being episode 50, which was the Christmas and CKD episode. And we're coming up to Christmas again. So I can't believe it's yeah, been yeah. nearly it's a year. Happened, so it's all there. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, at Christmas time, yes, or any time of the year, actually, the information is still relevant. So listeners do check out episode 50, the Christmas episode and episode 52 is weight loss and CKD. So after we've enjoyed our Christmas food, we might be thinking New Year's resolutions. So great advice there from Angeline and Laura about weight loss and CKD. And then part one of the plant-based diets is looking at early CKD and transplant. So that's episode 65. Please do check that out. And now today we are looking at plant-based diets and dialysis. Also. Just letting you know, guys, that Angeline and Laura feature on Kidney Care UK's Kidney Kitchen and are also going to be featured in Kidney Kitchen's 2023 calendar. So, guys, they are very, very busy, very, um, (laughs) you know, sharing so much information and helping so many people. So, as I've said before, kudos. I think both of you are amazing and it really is a absolute honour and pleasure to have you back on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. So thank you again. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's really kind. Thank you. So plant-based diets and dialysis. So obviously the needs of CKD patients who are in the early stages of their CKD or who have had a transplant are going to be different to the dietary needs of people who are on dialysis. So We're really going to have a good in-depth look about that. So I thought first we would start with a recap of what a plant-based diet is. So handing over to you, Angeline and Laura, could you give us a recap of what a plant-based diet is? So it's any diet that puts a greater emphasis on plant foods. So foods like beans, pulses, lentils, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds and generally has less in the way of meat, fish, eggs and dairy or or animal foods. So that could be a vegan diet, it could be a vegetarian diet, it could be the the traditional Mediterranean diet. Those potentially all have more of an emphasis on those plant foods. And a plant-based diet tends to also be low in processed foods and foods with added fat, salts and sugar. So generally a more kind of natural diet I suppose. Yeah like a a whole food it's a whole food rather than any sort of processed foods. It doesn't mean that you completely eliminate processed foods or that you completely eliminate animal foods just means that you keep those to a more of a minimum and And it can help you have a bit more control over what you're eating because you you essentially know what the key core ingredients are there's less additives in there. It sounds very healthy and definitely sounds like (laughs) something that we should all be embracing really but not trying to say I'm biased there but it does sound good to me just saying yeah (laughs) and it's better for the environment yeah yeah so there's lots of positive reasons for having because it's better for your health but also better for the environment 
And it's certainly suitable for anybody who's having dialysis as well. So but yeah, there are some key sort of considerations to make sure you stay as well as possible if you follow a plant-based diet and you are having dialysis. Right. So let's explore those now. So I do know that people who are on dialysis need to have more protein in their diet because the dialysis process strips the body of protein. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. So dialysis is obviously a very good treatment and um, it's great at removing all the waste products. But when it's doing that, unfortunately, it takes with it some of the some valuable protein. Yeah. yeah. So we need to be putting that back into the body through the diet. In the past, there has been this focus on protein that animal protein is the best source of protein and that you're going to get the highest amount of protein from animal products. So how are you going to get enough protein from plant-based foods? So it's, it's just a bit of planning around the food choices and, and the proportions of foods that you have in the diet. And it, it could be about sort of spreading that protein intake over the day as well to maximise how your body can absorb it. Yes. Yeah, so thinking about trying to incorporate some foods that are high in protein at every meal. So breakfast, lunch and dinner, and perhaps introducing maybe a couple of snacks in the day that would also contain some protein as well. So the high protein foods that would generally replace animal foods would be beans, pulses, lentils, tofu, tempeh, nuts, seeds, things like mycoprotein, like corn, for example, and then also plant milks like soya or pea milk. So they're the high protein milks when it comes to the plant variety. Yeah, so there are some concerns because some of those traditionally been thought to be higher in potassium and phosphate, even though they're good protein sources. So we'll we'll come on to that um, sort of looking for the the wins in terms of potassium and, and phosphate in those. But I guess, yeah, what, what you're saying is trying to make sure, you know, at breakfast you've got perhaps a high protein milk with your cereal yeah. or, or your porridge in yeah. the morning. Yeah. So something like a, a soya or a pea milk would be higher in protein than perhaps some of the oat based or the nut based. Yeah, I mean, just for an example, soya milk tends to have the same protein profile as cow's milk. So they're similar. So if you had about 200 mils of soya milk at breakfast, you're probably going to get somewhere around six and a half grams of protein. If you had oat milk with your breakfast, you're probably looking at less than a gram of protein. There's a big difference. There's a good swap that you can make to get more protein in. Um, or it might be that you chose to have like scrambled tofu or something. You could have soya yogurts. Um, yeah, with some fruit and, and seeds in there as well. Yeah. So the seeds can help increase the protein. And it's not forgetting that sort of bread itself has got some protein in it. So and nut butters and things are another way to. Yep. So peanut butter on toast. Yeah, to get a bit more protein in that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know bread was a protein source I always thought of bread as something people avoid because they're avoiding carbs so I always thought of it as a carbs source I've never thought of bread as a protein source learning something every day (laughs) yeah I mean it's not a high it's, it's certainly not a high protein source and bread you know fits into the overall picture as a carbohydrate source but a lot of foods you know even say things like peas fit in as vegetables but they do have you know some protein in so you can get protein from other areas in your diet, not just yeah. the, um, the pulses side of things. Yeah, it's just that those foods happen to be the ones that are higher in protein. So we would still encourage you to have those foods alongside, say, for example, a whole grain cereal or some oats. You'd certainly get some protein from your oats or your whole grain cereal, but you'd also get protein from your soya milk as well. So in combination... That helps to increase the protein that you're getting in one meal. Yeah. And I think that will be the theme as we sort of go through today's podcast is it is quite individual to people when they're on dialysis. So it's, it's working with your dietitian to find out the right foods for you, essentially, depending on what your blood results are showing, sort of any residual kidney function you've got, 
and, and your personal preferences and your, and your yeah. control diet any other and, conditions yeah. you've got yeah So yes, yeah, so that, that was breakfast. I just wonder if it's sort of useful. Said so thinking of sort of um, light meals and main meals, really. Yeah. So um, I give, mean, give you good protein yeah. options. <laughs> yeah. So any any sort of curries, like a chickpea lentil mm-hmm. curry, but then having that with some whole grain rice, you're getting protein from the rice. But the majority of the protein is coming from things like the the pulses and the lentils. Yeah. Isn't it? So you, you're getting yeah, really nice, not a nice combination of protein. Same with things like a chili. Yeah. Anything you're sort of using, yeah, I guess as more of a main meal, isn't it? Sort of like a, a soya mince or a corn mince um, might go into it. Yeah. Yeah. You go stir fries with some tofu in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sprinkle a few sesame seeds over the top. Just yeah, to increase the protein there as well. Sounds good. Yeah. I think what else we've got on our kidney kitchen collection, we've got our... um sort of rice and bean burrito yes yeah a, a lighter type meal yeah um things like hummus and things like a whole meal pita bread with hummus yeah and it, that would be a nice light meal yeah so getting some protein from the bread but also the hummus would provide some the hummus has got chickpeas and tahini in it both of which are high protein mm-hmm. and plant sources and things like even a, a yogurt a soya small soya yogurt yeah with your meal yeah and uh, or as a pudding or as a snack mm-hmm. or using things like those sort of soya milks and pea milks to make up like a rice pudding or a custard or yeah obviously it's a little bit more tricky when you're having dialysis because it's highly likely that the amount of fluid that you can drink during the day will be limited and so things like these puddings have you... to be included in your your sort of daily ration <laughs> yeah which is why again you know like Laura said it's so important to have support from a renal dietitian and everybody who's on dialysis would regularly see a kidney dietitian who can give them individual support and guidance to ensure that they're getting sufficient amount of protein and I guess you know but bringing up that point about the fluid side of it we were mentioning how plant-based diets tend to be lower in salt generally because of the less additives and salt is that big driver of thirst. So if you are on a fluid restriction, mm. the, the plant-based diets are quite helpful to yeah, help to stop you being so thirsty and helping you to control your fluid intake. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to look at as well is potassium. So how can we ensure that we have the right balance of potassium on a plant-based diet? So I think it's important to remember that animal foods have potassium in them as well, number one. So I think traditionally, fruit and vegetables and pulses have been restricted in the diet for that because of their potassium. Whereas actually meats, eggs, fish, cheese, milk, they all have have potassium. potassium. They're all sources of potassium and they're high sources of potassium. It's just Mm -hmm. that traditionally those have been seen as being more important and more of a priority in the diet. Whereas I think now the tables are turning. Yeah, if somebody was eating that kind of diet that included meat and dairy in sort of regular amounts, then you wouldn't want to start having lots of plant-based foods on top of that. But if your diet is solely plant-based, then there probably is a bit more leniency, a bit more... Or predominantly plant. Yeah, you you are able to include those foods. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that it's first of all, I mean, as a dietitian, I think we would always look for alternative reasons for a high potassium first. And yeah, and that's key that not everybody has to be following a low potassium diet. Yeah. So as you go around a, you know, a hemodialysis unit, you'll find that some people still have some residual kidney function. So potassium hasn't been a, an issue for them. So it's definitely not a blanket ban. In some cases, we're encouraging people to eat more high potassium foods because their potassium's low. And, and so- frequently, if you're on peritoneal dialysis or home dialysis, then you're you're clearing that potassium every day and it, it doesn't need to be restricted. Yeah. So I think that there's always a lot of confusion and, and people are always quite scared about potassium. But it is individual and you should speak to your dietitian or your, your doctor or your, your nurse before you start cutting things out of your diet. If nobody's told you that you've had a high potassium level, then 
you know, you, you don't need to be cutting that out. There's no benefit to cutting it out. There's no benefit to reducing potassium if you don't need to. If, if anything, it's the opposite of beneficial, isn't it? Because it can yeah. cut out some really healthy, beneficial foods like your fruits and your vegetables, potatoes, tomatoes, yeah. bananas, avocados. They've got loads of other benefits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which have got plenty of fiber and vitamins yeah. and, and so many other good things. So yeah, potassium is definitely a it's um a product of, of poor kidney function or poor dialysis. It's not a cause of those. I would encourage people to look at other causes of potassium, mm-hmm. high potassium in the blood, rather than going straight into reducing fruit and vegetables first. So things like are uh, they constipated? Because yeah, if, if that could be. Uh, are the blood sugar levels high? A reason, yeah. What medication are you taking? Yeah. There are things that they can tweak in the in the dialysis process to remove more potassium if yeah. needed. There are lots of other things that the dietitian would look at first before kind of limiting the diet, I suppose. And that underlines the fact that, you know, by the time anybody's having dialysis, they should have a dietitian team that they're having regular contact with. And I think that raises a really important point because When I see posts on social media, if you have CKD and the first thing is always reduce potassium, I think it's it's sending a very dangerous message that everybody blanket. If you have CKD, you have to reduce potassium because like you just said, if your blood results don't require that, you're not helping yourself by cutting it down and actually you could actually harm yourself by doing it. So I think it's a really important point that people know that just because you have CKD doesn't automatically mean that you have to reduce potassium. Yeah, and I think it's understandable that people are confused because there's a lot of conflicting information on the internet about it and there's a lot of outdated information still out there. So I can understand people's confusion, but I'm glad that you're getting the message out, Dee, that they don't have to if they don't (laughs) need to. One other thing just that's worth mentioning with a plant-based diet and potassium is... A lot of processed foods contain additives and your body is, yeah, will absorb that quite efficiently. Whereas the potassium in whole plant foods, it takes your body a bit more work to kind of release that potassium and not all of it will be sort of released from the food. So So it will sort of basically stay in the bowel and go out the other end, essentially. It never makes its way into the blood, which is what we look at. So whereas these processed foods, they have potassium additives and mainly potassium chloride. And people will see that on a lot of processed foods. Which is happening more and more because of the drive to cut down on salt or sodium chloride. Companies are replacing it with potassium chloride, which... So food manufacturers, yeah, they're encouraged to reduce the amount of salt. So because potassium chloride's got this salty taste, they can reduce salt by 25%. If they then put potassium chloride in it, it doesn't change the taste. <laughs> so it's a minefield, isn't it? So it will tell you on the ingredients if it's got potassium in it. So it, it is listed there. So things like um, reduced salt stock cubes or reduced salt gravies, they mm-hmm. sometimes have potassium chloride in them. Yeah. yeah. So with Kidney Kitchen, for example, we always use ones that don't have potassium chloride in yeah, and there's no added salt in any of the yeah. in any of the dishes. Because in a way, that's what you want to achieve as well, is to, to a gradual reduction in salt so that your taste buds adapt and you're used to a, a lower salt diet, so you don't need to replace it with anything else. So I just thought it's worth mentioning because it's mm. it's another added benefit of eating a whole food diet is it cuts out those processed foods with the potassium additives, but also that you're less likely to absorb potassium from these whole foods as well. No, I think that's a really important point to mention, especially for people who are looking for lower salt foods and not realising that actually the additive that they've put in there as an alternative is harder for the body to get rid of. So again, seeing a a clear benefit of having that whole food diet approach where your body is like able to pass it through so much easier. Absolutely an important point. So yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, and also just with just on a final note is that uh, with a whole food diet you tend to have to need to cook you have to prepare these foods yourself and like Laura said you have to plan a little bit more and planning part of that planning is cooking as well and I think because 
if you're cooking, you're less likely to use these processed foods and less likely to have the added potassium, but also your own control of the salt going in. So, And there's so many other things you can use. So you can start to enjoy lots of different flavours, can't you? Lots of different herbs and spices that you might not have used in the past. Which have other health benefits as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you balance phosphate when you're following a plant-based diet and you're on dialysis? So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say it's quite similar, actually, yeah. to that discussion we've just had around potassium in that there's a lot of additives, again, that, that are containing phosphate and your body will absorb that really easily. So having less processed food and, and more of the natural foods is the first step, really, to reduce your phosphate intake. So I think that's quite important. And then you are on a plant-based diet, you tend to be cutting down on the dairy side, which has always traditionally been seen as a a high phosphate source in the diet. So that's a benefit as well. I guess going back to the plant milks and things, you might find that there are potassium and phosphate additives in a lot of the plant milks. But if you go for the organic versions, they can't add anything to it. So I often say to people, who are on dialysis that perhaps it's better to go for an organic version if you can so that there are less additives Mm -hmm. in it yeah that seems to be the best way to avoid it to be honest the reason they put the additives in there is because they add calcium and vitamin d to these plant milks because the general population need to ensure that they're still getting that those vitamins and minerals but when you're on dialysis we can monitor those uh, minerals and vitamins within the blood and we would supplement them separately anyway. So it's less of a concern when somebody's on dialysis. Yeah. 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 So phosphate additives you can cut down on. So that's a a tick in the box for the the plant-based diet. tend to be in processed foods again. So number one, you know, plant-based diet is low in processed foods. So and I'd say there's still a little bit of a debate really around the, um, we can measure the phosphorus content of foods, but we don't always have a, an accurate um, way of seeing how much of that is absorbed into the body. But if you imagine plant-based foods have a lot more roughage in, then it, it does make it harder to absorb the phosphate from food. Yeah, so there's a fibre that a lot of um, natural foods have that is bound to phosphate. And that fibre is really difficult for us while we can't digest it. So we tend not to absorb much of the phosphate from natural foods. So I'm talking about whole grains and your pulses. Those ones, they'll be high in phosphate, but we won't absorb a great deal of that phosphate because it's bound to fibre and our body can't digest that. Whereas when we're talking about additives, there's no fibre with the additives. And so you tend to absorb about 90 to 100% of that phosphate. Whereas the studies, the literature tends to say with the the natural foods, tends to be about 20 to 40% when it comes to whole grains and legumes. Wow, that's a significant difference. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big difference, yeah. And when you're talking about dairy and, and meat or fish, we still absorb slightly less than the additives, but it's about 40 to 60 or 60 to 80 yeah, I think it's a little bit more. Yeah, um, it's certainly more than the whole grain plant-based foods. So actually, you could say that following a whole food plant-based diet would make it easier to manage your phosphate. Yeah. And I mean, it's still important to be aware of which foods have got phosphate so that if you're prescribed a phosphate binder, you know which foods to take those with. So, so I don't know if people know what phosphate binder is, but it's a medication that can be given if needed that you take with your meal and it it works a bit like a magnet it holds on to the phosphate in the stomach and stops you from ever absorbing it and it takes it through passes it through so that you don't absorb the phosphate so you get an an additional effect from that that it helps to lower your phosphate absorption by taking a phosphate binder yeah There are certain foods that you do need to be a a bit more careful with. I suppose if if your phosphate or your potassium is high, then your dietitian might look a bit more closely about how often and in what amounts you're having things like nuts, because they're particularly high Mm -hmm. in potassium and phosphate and certain beans that are higher than others. Yeah. Um, So again, it's sort of on an individual basis, really sort of looking at so I would very much be looking with people about how often they have certain foods and how much they have. And 
I try not to eliminate things altogether, but maybe have them less often in smaller amounts. Yeah, and as a dietitian, you probably focus more on trying to keep the healthy foods in as much as possible Definitely. and reduce those less healthy ones where you can. But also you would work with the patient to see what they would prefer to hold on to. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, what yeah, the priorities yeah, are. What yeah, what their priorities, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So we touched on it a bit earlier where we spoke about salt, but let's talk about it a bit more because salt is something that I'm very aware of. When I buy foods, I look at the traffic light system and if the salt is in red, I'm like, ah, no, stay away from it. And I have seen for myself that quite a lot of the processed plant-based foods have a lot of salt in them so how can avoid salt following a plant-based diet when you're on dialysis i think also just to mention Dee, that those foods don't just have salt they probably have added phosphate and they probably as a phosphate additive and then they'll have added potassium as potentially high in fat or uh, yeah yeah no it's, it's interesting that so many foods now are being marketed, aren't they, is vegan or plant-based, but they're not always the healthy choice. So they're not always whole foods. And the more processed it is, but the less it looks like <laughs> how it started, the uh, the more that's been added into it. I think the problem is there's no legal definition of what fits the term plant-based. No, and, it doesn't help. No. And so there's no definition of what is plant-based. So food manufacturers are jumping on that as a marketing tool. And telling you that their vegan sausage roll is plant-based, in all honesty, so something to be plant-based, you're really looking at it being a whole food and something that's minimally processed. Well, if it's a sausage roll wrapped in pastry that's got added fat, salt, sugar. It didn't grow like that, did it? No, it didn't fall off a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Or grow in the ground. Very good point. Yeah. So it's less likely, it's very unlikely that it's plant-based. And that's not to say that you can never have those foods because you eat a plant-based diet. You really want to be drowning those foods out a little bit with the more natural sources and where possible cooking as well from scratch because that's where you're in the driving seat when it comes to salt. And and if you're on dialysis and, and fluid is an issue for you, then you're making your life so much more difficult than having things. You know, if you're going to have something that's really high in salt, then you are going to be really thirsty. You're going to have a dry mouth and it's going to be impossible to stick to that. Well, that's unpleasant. That's really not nice. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, it's, it is trying to be, there's a lot to be aware of, isn't there? It's a it's a lot mm-hmm. to think about, but definitely, yeah, be careful of the processed, <laughs> the processed foods and the additives. Yeah, I think you're doing the right thing, though, Dee, looking at the traffic light labels and going for, the foods that are more green and amber and really steer clear of the ones or very or limit them when they're red and it's it's much harder than you think actually from this process of analyzing all the recipes for kidney kitchen there are recipes that you think well we've not added any sort of very salty ingredients in and it it comes up as being moderate or something it's not low is it it doesn't fit into the the low salt box and you know you have to look through all the individual ingredients and find out what you can tweak to bring it down yeah. so it's not easy but I mean hopefully we've done some of the hard work on that now with the, with the kidney kitchen recipes and people will find the ones that are ticked low salt do have ingredients that, that keep it low in salt per 100 grams the same as the traffic light labeling salt makes its way into everyday ingredients doesn't it like bread and yeah. cheese and yeah most and of it's already in the food we eat isn't it yeah bread cheese it's kind of <laughs> lots of things well, there's some naturally in products but in terms of tips for keeping salt low I mean the number one tip would be to cook as much as you can from scratch at home so that's where kidney kitchen is so helpful and then avoiding things like convenience or takeaway or processed foods or certainly keeping them to a yeah. low level and really making use of the dried fresh herbs and spices that are available garlic onions peppers vinegars lemon juice lime you know a squeeze of lime over a curry at the end cooking it can really improve its flavor i think it's just it's the first step perhaps listening to the podcast isn't it and starting to pay a bit more attention to what you're doing because i 
I saw somebody the other day and, you know, she, she'd never really thought about whether her butter was salted or unsalted. It, you know, she just used the same one that, you know, her mum had always got <laughs> before her. And we talked, you know, she, she'd never really thought about, you know, could you buy nut, nuts without the salt on them? She just, yeah. you know, pick them from that area of the supermarket. And that was what was there. So it's just starting to question it a bit more, isn't it? And think about it. Be mind, more mindful. Yeah. Not perfect. So one of the benefits that I know that you get from fruits and vegetables is that it gives you lots of fiber. So if you're following a plant based diet, are you going to get too much fiber? There are some people that do worry that, you know, they're going to have too much fiber and their bowels are going to become a lot more active than they they were before. And we do often talk about slowly increasing fibre, so not making the change overnight, so just doing it gradually to help your body adapt to that change. And, you know, everyone's bowels are different, but the fibre is great at keeping you regular, which when you're on dialysis is a real bonus because that is another way for your body to get rid of some of those um, toxins like the, the potassium. So we know that your uh, regular going to the toilet is going to help get rid of potassium. Your body adapts a little bit towards that. It also adapts to get rid of a bit more fluid that way. So that's really helpful as well. And I do see a fair few amount of people who are on dialysis that do start to become more constipated, often probably because they're less active than they were before. They're not able to be as active as they were before. So I think that's a consideration. So you want to still be able to, you know, to clear, clear your bowels regularly, even though you're less active. Yeah, so there's so many things, aren't there, that sort of come in with the bowel side of it. I mean, it's, it's better for your gut bacteria, which probably have a role with your immune system. So all that fibre is, is yeah. important yeah. there. Yeah, and things like diabetes control as well. So for anybody yeah. who, who has diabetes, then... Fibre can be really helpful in um, not necessarily controlling blood sugars, but just keeping them a little bit more steady. So rather than you getting peaks um, and spikes in blood sugars, you get more of a gentle rise and a gentle mm. fall in blood sugars. Fibre is really nice and filling as well, isn't it? Which is kind of good mm. for anybody who is trying to lose weight. Yeah, I mean, and which can be tricky, can't it, when you're having dialysis, if you need to lose weight for, say, for example, for a transplant to maintain a BMI level for a transplant body mass index for the transplant surgeons they normally request a certain body mass index and so actually fiber really plays a role in what we call satiety it makes us feel full we feel satisfied yeah. and which is a much m- more pleasant way of losing weight than starving yourself or calorie counting or yeah. Getting in that extra fibre can be really helpful. But I think it it does need to be a gradual process. Yeah. And the, the other thing to sort of be aware of, if people do have different bowel conditions, then fibre might react differently with them. So it comes back to that one-to-one advice, really. So you can have a look at the different types of fibre in the diet, the types of soluble or roughage, and see how the, how the body sort of suits with all of those. Yeah, so it's probably, I mean... It, in terms of the UK, we think we get about 18 grams of fibre a day. and We're all supposed to be having about 30. If we suddenly all started eating 30 grams of fibre tomorrow, I think we'd all get very windy yeah. <laughs> and then bloated and uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's like Laura says, it's doing it really, really gradually. And it's it's not because your body will never tolerate it. It's just the gut bacteria that live in your bowels, essentially. They're not used to that much fibre and they're having a party, basically. Yeah, they're they're like, yay, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> All this fibre. And they're having a great time and they love it. And they'll pay you back for, for giving you all that extra fibre in kind, eventually. <laughs> but your body just needs to get used to it. So increasing the fiber in your diet gradually is a sensible approach so if you're currently eating white bread and white rice and white pasta think about swapping to a whole grain alternative then get used to that for a while then introduce some pulses after a while and and if you are sort of concerned about your bowels definitely mention it to your dietitian because there are different things that we can look at that can um, affect how regularly your bowels are opening and people do understandably get really anxious about not wanting to have their bowels open during a dialysis session or 
don't want to eat just in case there's anything moving through. So it, it all plays a part in that bigger picture with your diet and it's all relevant. And we talk about it all the time. So we don't get embarrassed. No. So. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be embarrassed. You want to know, know what colour it is. Yeah. <laughs> consistency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're fine. Part of the job. Yeah. What part do fats play in a plant-based diet for people on dialysis? Well, I think one of the really clear-cut benefits of a plant-based diet that most people can see is the reduction in, in saturated fat, the reduction in animal fats, which has a benefit in reducing your cholesterol levels and helping with your overall heart health. And that is something we, we have to be aware of in anybody that has kidney disease, that they are at greater risk of cardiovascular sort of heart and um, circulation diseases yeah so diseases that might affect um, things like your blood vessels in your heart so things like stroke or angina just even having high blood pressure things like dementia that's all linked to cardiovascular sort of disease of your arteries yeah. yeah and so we know that there's a close link between saturated fat and cardiovascular disease and a plant-based diet is low in saturated fat because you're cutting out or certainly reducing or limiting things like milks or dairy generally, isn't yeah. it? meat, certainly red meat and processed meat yeah, and processed foods, which tend to have a lot of added fats in them as well. And then it's the good side, isn't it? Because then you're getting a lot more of these plant-based fats which are more your unsaturated fats that are a lot more flexible in your body a lot more anti-inflammatory and sort of help to calm the body down so I think there's a benefit there of having the right mix of fats in the diet definitely Mm. and then I was thinking back to the old fiber thing again as well because the fiber helps to with your cholesterol and things as well having the fiber in the diet so fiber works like a little bit of a mop it sort of mops up the cholesterol you reabsorbing it doesn't it yeah Yeah. so it mops it up in the bowels and takes it out the other end there's a lot going out the other end really (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why your digestive system is so important yeah yeah (laughs) what foods would be an example of good fats so i think it's thinking about the mediterranean diet and when you're thinking about all those good fats so looking at some of the olive oils, rapeseed oil, vegetable oils that are very good. Some of the um, oils you get from things like walnuts and chia seeds that have got the um, omega-3s in. They're all very good choices to... So um, do you mean actually eating the whole seed and the whole walnut and rather yeah, than the oil of those? Yeah, yeah. and then, you know, if, if you are going to use an oil, you know, you don't want to be using large amounts. All oils are still fat after all, yeah. but if you are going to use something, you know, something like the olive oils or the rapeseed oil is going to be better. Mm. Definitely. You know, then you've got whole foods that are naturally rich in healthy fats, so things like avocados or olives or um, nuts, which these are foods that are traditionally restricted for people who are having dialysis because they're so high in potassium and phosphate. But there's the potential that those foods can still be included if, if and you have a benefit. Of, yeah, yeah, a heart healthy benefit. Because you know that people with kidney disease, they tend to have a bit more sort of inflammation in the system. So anything you can do to help calm that down. Dialysis is it is essentially you know you're an inflammatory. It's not a natural process. Is it's it? Not something you would you normally know, have done. So your invasive. body is going to raise an inflammatory response to it every time so by eating a a healthy diet you're lowering that inflammation yeah it brings in all the antioxidants and everything else but (laughs) you go on forever yeah polyphenols (laughs) yeah more your fruits and vegetables the antioxidants yeah but the healthy fats so it is working with your dietitian which fat you prefer to use and which foods whole foods you can retain or include in your diet so like I mentioned things like the avocados and the nuts and the seeds they're all sources of healthy fats as well yeah and you know we're always aware that that's a concentrated source of calories so if somebody's trying to lose weight then they don't want to be having lots of those things because it is calories but equally some people that we see that are underweight we might be using those sort of good 
fats to help give them more calories and help them to maintain or gain weight. So this comes back to the diet being individual for everybody and having a one-to-one talk with your dietitian to get the right advice for you. Worth mentioning that when you're having dialysis, you don't just see your dietitian once. So don't feel like you've got to get all of your questions out and change your diet in one discussion with your dietitian. Your dietitian will meet with you regularly. And if you need it more often, you can always request it more often as well. And I know certainly in my unit, we will try and make ourselves available to those that need it more often. Other units, it might be different, but you will see a dietitian regularly. So you can save up all your questions or any concerns or any support or guidance you need. You can save it up for the time that you do see the dietitian. It will be a regular ongoing guidance. It should be at least every three to six months, shouldn't it? And actually, you know, within the first four to six weeks of starting dialysis and then you know a month or so afterwards so obviously we all struggle in the NHS to keep up with patient numbers and sort of reduced workforce but definitely you should be seeing somebody every three to six months. So in terms of supplements what is good and what is to be avoided when you're following a plant-based diet and you're on dialysis? We talked in the last podcast about different supplements that you might take to help kind of boost some of those nutrients that aren't so available in a plant-based diet. But I would say you need to be quite cautious with taking any supplement once you've you've moved on to dialysis. And certainly thinking around things like calcium and vitamin D, that's going to be monitored quite closely by the team at the hospital. And you may be given different forms of vitamin D that would affect your calcium absorption. So certainly I I wouldn't be taking any of those without having advice from your doctor or your dietitian. I would agree. I would I would say discuss anything that you take, even if it's herbal or yeah uh, over the I mean you want to really discuss that before anyway. Yeah they they can interact with some of your other medications, the herbal things. So they're definitely ones to be particularly cautious with. Sometimes a lot of units will offer you a vitamin tablet when you're on hemodialysis anyway to replace some of the nutrients that are lost in the dialysis process so you don't want to be doubling up too much on vitamins so you need to be mindful of what you're taking and again say discuss that on a on a one-to-one basis yeah one of the, the big ones that probably wouldn't be covered as routine would be iodine and that's one that you can't traditionally get on a exclusively plant-based diet or we don't know how much you can get on an exclusively plant-based diet so fruits and vegetables have iodine in them but we don't really know how much because it depends where they're grown Mm -hmm. and fish and seafood tend to be quite high don't they in iodine and i was going to say that they're starting to fortify some of the plant-based milks with iodine that we've said to go for the organic Organic. which aren't going to be fortified so 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 it is worth discussing whether or not you need an iodine supplement whether or not you can take an iodine supplement so it might be worth talking to your dietitian about having your iodine level checked you don't want to have too much iodine but also you don't want to have too little iodine so it does need very individualized advice iodine yeah especially if you've got a thyroid condition or anything Mm -hmm. as well so that's that's the main job of iodine it helps to produce your your thyroid hormone so we need our thyroid hormone and uh, if we haven't got enough iodine our body can't make it but equally if we have too much iodine it can go the wrong direction as well so that's one that you should definitely talk to your dietitian about. Yeah, definitely. The other one I thought you should ensure, not necessarily from a supplement, but ensure that you're getting a dietary source of omega-3. Yeah, and that can be a bit trickier as well, can't yeah. it? So the, the main ones in a plant-based diet being more the walnuts and the chia seeds. Yeah. So traditionally we would get a lot of omega-3 from things like oily fish, but if you're cutting out oily fish, then you just need to replace that with some nuts or seeds that will help your body make omega-3. As Laura mentioned, things like walnuts, but then you can also have things like linseed, chia seeds, hemp seeds. Yeah, Generally about a tablespoon a day is enough. Mm -hmm. Again, 
it's something to discuss with your dietitian. Yeah, that's it. And then, you know, right back at the beginning, we spoke about, you know, plant-based diets are predominantly plant-based, but it might be that you decide you will have oily fish once a week mm-hmm. to, to help top you up on those things. It doesn't have to be exclusively. Excluding. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it just takes a bit of planning, doesn't it? <laughs> so I wanted to look at recipes, but before that, I wanted to also address the fact that people who are on dialysis an after effect of dialysis is fatigue. So if you're dealing with fatigue and part of being on a plant-based diet means that you're going to be cooking a lot of things from scratch, how do you manage that fatigue when you're trying to follow a plant-based diet? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And I think one of the things we often talk about in Kidney Kitchen is how you might be able to maximise the times that you are feeling better to do batch cooking so that you have meals that you can easily heat up after a dialysis session. And we do try to have a range of quite sort of easy to make recipes as well as the ones that you might want someone to make for you. (laughs) (laughs) There's a combination. Yeah, so there's a booklet coming out in the next month, Eat Well, Spend Less, which has a more focused on plant-based foods just because of the cost and uh, they yeah. can potentially be cheaper than animal sources and a lot of those are quick and easy to prepare but I think with all the recipes they've all got storage suggestions you could always double up on the ingredients and make more like Laura said when you feel well so that you can pop them in a container and put them in the freezer and you've got an instant meal the next time you come home from dialysis it's perhaps making use of some things that are a little bit convenient. So I quite often say to people if they are struggling, things like cooking rice can be, rather than waiting 35 minutes to cook a whole grain rice, use a pouch. Mm-hmm. It might have a little bit of added oil. They tend not to have salt added to them if it's just plain ones. And I think if you're more likely to eat that than a ready meal, adding some whole microwaved whole grain rice to something that you've cooked um, and defrosted yeah. like a curry that you've defrosted and it's available to you then that's a hearty meal yeah no definitely there's, there's quite a, a few sort of quick and easy recipes you can do aren't there that are more plant-based so mm. things like you can get a lot of tofu that's sort of just ready to use isn't it so I was just thinking you could throw that in the, in the pan with some stir fry vegetables and some um, rice noodles or something to make a quick meal and you can get frozen stir fried veg now that you just keep in the freezer and get out. Yeah, frozen foods are great actually, aren't they? And tinned yeah. lentils, so you don't have to soak yeah. and cook your beans, pulses, and lentils. Just use the tinned ones. They're tinned generally in water. A lot of these pulses, they used to be tinned in salt and sugar, but that seems to have disappeared yeah. now. They seem to mainly be tinned in water. So yeah, adding that, making good use of tinned lentils is um, useful. Things like whole grain couscous, gosh, that's really easy. You oh, pour that into yeah. a bowl, put some hot water over it, yeah, and it cooks within a few minutes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So within five minutes, that's ready. So that's yeah. a good accompaniment to pasta-based sort yeah. of meals. Yeah. Um, quite quick and easy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I guess as well, is that a little bit of flexibility about when you eat? It's, you don't always have to stick to breakfast, lunch and dinner at the traditional times if that doesn't fit in with your dialysis sessions or, or what you're doing. It's sort of um, you know, if you end up doing breakfast mid-morning and you know your main meal mid-afternoon and a, a light snack before bed, then you know, that might be how it works for you. Everyone's different, aren't they? And we, and, you know, we, we can work with Especially when you're having dialysis. That. Yeah, especially yeah, then. It's the time that you're, you're most hungry. So definitely a lot to consider there. And like you said, simple things like microwavable vegetables or rice, things like that can definitely save a lot of time and help manage fatigue. So finally, I wanted to look at recipes. So what recipes do you have that would be great for someone who's following a plant-based diet on dialysis? There's a quite a few that come to mind, actually. I think we may have mentioned them in the last podcast, but certainly on the Hidney Kitchen site, there's the butternut squash and chickpea curry. There's the North African one-pot stew. Mm-hmm. 
there's a red lentil bolognese oh yes there is yeah that's yeah. really nice we've just recently done which will be in the new booklet that we mentioned the eat well spend less that's got a cottage pie in it hasn't it that's mm-hmm. half meat and half lentils so if somebody's not quite there yet with transitioning completely to a plant-based diet yeah, yeah that's yeah. good that's another one we mentioned there's rice and bean burritos and there's a lovely pea and mint risotto yeah it does use white rice but there's no reason why you couldn't swap that out and use a whole grain rice i think that might be a lower protein it is one, protein but one, it yeah. might be that you could add in some extra sort of white beans with it there's usually suggestions on the food facts about how you can add extra protein in some of the low protein dishes so it's yeah. worth having a not ruling out the ones that are low protein but perhaps having a look in the food facts to see if there are any suggestions for increasing the protein in it other recipes would be the, the bean burger which is really which is really nice and um, there's a vegetable crumble in there which will be low protein so what you might want to think about doing as laura suggested would be to add some some beans to to the vegetable crumble that's a really popular dish that one there's a new sort of hong kong style tofu recipe that will be coming out soon there are a couple of other tofu recipes on here aren't there as well i remember when we did a salmon dish we also did it the same thing with tofu and that was delicious so it was like a it had a, a rice and coriander salad with this uh, marinated tofu I think the Jamaican corn meal pie is yeah plant-based, but again, low protein. So you could serve it alongside something with a bit of extra protein in it. And then there's some dal, isn't there? That's on there that we had Gabby. Yeah. In no. London, she came and cooked oh, that. Are lovely, aren't they? Yeah. So lots there that sound absolutely amazing. I need to try some of those out, actually. And for the listeners, those recipes are featured on Kidney Care UK's Kidney Kitchen. So if you want to try out those tasty recipes, do check out the website. So finally, I wanted to leave the final words to you. And could you give the listeners a final word of encouragement? I would say it's not about perfection. Definitely, yeah. You don't have to start a plant-based diet completely and exclusively and fully by tomorrow. It's about, we do know that it's good for your health and we do know that it's good for the planet. Um, it's about engaging with your dietitian, yeah, getting the support and guidance you need to make the small changes that you want to make with your diet. Yeah, and we're here for you. So, you know, feel free to tell us about, you know, what works or what doesn't work, what the issues are. And we'd love to have the feedback on the Kidney Kitchen recipes. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, sharing so much amazing information and advice. It is always a pleasure to have you here on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. So thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you so much thank for having you. us again. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.